Um, it, it's probably been a couple years now since we first met, but uh, Pastor Mike and Jeannie Ware are just incredible quality people that have come to us all the way from Denver, Colorado. He had to brave like a, a, a decade a decade type snowstorm to uh, to get here. Literally, his flight was canceled on the day they were supposed to fly out, and then uh, they were still able to get here in time for us to fellowship a little bit last night. But uh, I'm just glad I live in the sunny south. I'm grateful for 68 degrees and sunshine. And uh, Pastor Mike, when it snows here, they can forecast a flurry, and they'll clear out the grocery stores for a week. And I haven't understood why you would get a week's worth of groceries when it was going to be you know, gone by noon. But anyway... That's kind of us here in the South. But Pastor Mike and Jeannie Pastor, a wonderful church that's just touching the Denver area, Victory Church. And uh, I've, I've heard him speak and watched him minister, and he's a quality individual. We wanted, uh, our overseers have come to us, you know, through the years, and I have wanted those that really fulfill a specific role. And I told Pastor Mike and Jeannie that, that their church is at a place where I feel like our church ultimately needs to go and wants to go, and uh, so I want someone who's been there and found the potholes and all the detours and can look at me and say, I wouldn't go down that street if I were you. <laughs> we all need those people in our life, amen. And so uh, that's why I wanted him uh, and, and Jeannie to be with us. And so uh, I, I just feel like it's a great kickoff to what's going to be a wonderful week. And uh, I want you just to love them and embrace them and reach out to them. They are now our official oversight on our oversight board. So uh, they have great weight in our lives, and his words will be taken highly, uh, seriously, and impactfully in our midst. So we're just excited about it. Large church, great ministry, wonderful couple. We just are delighted to be able to introduce them to you. So we honor the servants of the Lord. So if you'd stand with me and let's greet Pastor Mike, where Jeannie as well. God bless. Thank you so much. Amen. 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 Good to see you. I am so honored to be here and to be part of the team. And uh, get to know you hopefully a little better today and in the weeks, months, years ahead. But uh, when I met your pastor a number of years ago, there was something, a kindred spirit. It was like a, a connection. And, um, and I was very honored when he called me and asked me if I would consider being part of the team here as an oversight, part of the overseers. And uh, I didn't have to pray very long because I already loved him in my heart, he and Tracy. And I think you're very blessed to have a couple like this as your pastor, and I think you need to appreciate him a little bit this morning. It is rare when you can find a pastor that really has vision for his city and for his church and for his people, and, and whenever I'm around him, he always talks about you. In fact, on driving over here, he was thinking, this is the best church on the planet. This is the best place to be. He could hardly wait for us to get here and join in in early morning prayer, which we did, and we enjoyed that. But uh, he brags on you, and he loves you. And uh, he and Tracy are giving their lives for this church and for you and for your success. So I think if you're new, you found a good home. If you're visiting, I think you're going to find a good home right here because this pastor is balanced. This is a healthy church. Uh, I've always said he's a biblical scholar and theologian. 
And I'm just, I'm kind of a nobody, you know, I don't know very much, but, so I'm really blessed to be around him, but uh, anyway, thank you, Pastor, for letting me come. Uh, I'm originally from Louisiana, hope you don't hold that against me. <laughs> you know, LSU played in the BCS championship against Alabama. I, I keep getting text messages that we need to pray for the LSU football team. Did everybody, did everybody get those text messages? Really, I did. There, it's been about three or so weeks, and the football team is still stuck in New Orleans. They can't get back to Baton Rouge. They're in a bus, and they can't get home because somebody painted a 50-yard line in front of the bus, and they can't get across it. <laughs> so pray for them. All right, since I'm from Louisiana, I think I get a chance to tell a Boudreaux and Thibodeau joke. Is that all right? Yeah. Everybody know who Boudreaux and Thibodeau? They're really kind of, they're strange birds. You know, they're unusual. Anybody watch Swamp People? That's, that's my kind of people. And uh, they, they are. I mean, we were just hunting down there, duck hunting uh, down there in the same place where they were filming some of the alligator stuff. So anyway, uh, Boudreaux and Thibodeau, that's, that's the kind of people they are. Well, Thibodeau gave Boudreaux a birthday present, gave him a parrot for his birthday. A few days later, he calls Boudreaux and he says, he said, say, Boudreaux, did you get that parrot I sent you? He said, man, I sure did. That thing was good. <laughs> Thibodeau said, what? You ate that parrot? He said, I sure did. He said, that parrot speaks five different languages. He said, well, he should have said something. <laughs> All right, that's probably enough. <laughs> All right. Thanks for letting me come. I am so excited to be here today. You know, your pastor has vision. And this is still, as far as I'm concerned, the new year. We're starting, it's February, the first Sunday in February. And uh, to me, we're just getting cranked up in 2012. I think it's going to be an outstanding and incredible year for your lives, for this church, the direction you're going in. It all starts with vision. Everything has to do with vision in your life. Did you know that? 390 years ago, there was a shipload of travelers that landed on the northeast coast just north of here. And... Um, in the first year, they established a town site. The second year, they elected a town government. The third year, the town government decided they would build a road five miles out of town to the west. On the fourth year, the people decided to impeach the town government because they said, why do we need to build a, a road going out of town for five miles? Nobody's going to go there. And I've heard that story before, and it's often crossed my mind that here were people who could see 3,000 miles across an ocean, who made incredible sacrifices in their life. I mean, personal, tragic sacrifices and were willing to endure all kinds of hardships to get across that ocean to found what we call America. And in five short years, they were not able to see five miles out of town. You know, I think that's sometimes how we are as Christians. We get so comfortable with where we are and what we're doing and how we're doing it that we can't hardly see past our nose. We can hardly see outside these four walls. Your pastor has, and I know you do too, a vision to build a bigger facility, more, more room for more people. You know, a place for people to come for the harvest yet to come. And to do that, it's going to require great vision on not only his part, but on your part too. I think about Helen Keller. Most of you know who Helen Keller is. She was born blind, deaf, couldn't speak. And, uh, of course, through, I guess however they did it, they were able to find a way to communicate with her. And finally, they asked her the question, and I know you've heard this question before, what would be worse than being born blind? And she said, having sight with no vision. 
Now listen to this. Here was a woman who could not help how she was born into the world, but she could make a difference on how she left the world. You and I cannot help how we have been born in this world, but we can make a difference in how we leave it. Can I hear an amen from you? In Proverbs 29, verse 18, if you want to turn there, I think it's going to be on the screen also for you. It says, where there is no vision, it says the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. I know you've heard that verse many times before, but what does that really mean? When there is no vision, uh, the the people perish. The word perish means to, to be naked or to be exposed or to wander or to drift. When you and I do not have vision or dreams for our life, we just wander around, we drift around, we're exposed, we are naked we, 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 we try to find other things to fulfill our, our heart, the empty spot and the void that is there. But there's something about vision. But when it comes to vision, there's more than meets the eye. There's more than what you and I can see because vision is beyond what the eye can see. It's seeing beyond what is seen. To me, that's what vision is. It's me closing my eyes and seeing and then opening my eyes and believing. That's what vision is for me. And today I want, to, I want to take some time. I want to encourage you about the vision and the dreams that you have in your life. Because I think this is a great year to begin pursuing those with all your heart. That you can't waste another day. God is ready for you to take a step. I like to define vision from this particular scripture. of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. It says, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed to them, or excuse me, God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. I want you to know that vision is more than what you can see. That God puts in your heart. He puts something in your spirit that your eye has not seen, your ear has not heard, nor have you allowed your heart to, to receive it. That's what vision is to me. It's something that I've not yet seen. It's something I've not yet heard. And He put it in our heart for a reason because He wants us to reach out to it. And I'm convinced that when God has put a dream or vision in your heart, He did so because He knows that you can do it and that you can receive it. And He's waiting for you to reach out to those things that He's given to you to begin pursuing those. Vision is not for those that won't see. It's for those who, as I said a moment ago, will close their eyes first and see. You know what our problem is? We want, we want to open our eyes and see it. You know what? Sometimes vision is not what I can see yet. It's to be seen. I have to first see it on the inside. You know, we built our building. Can I tell you what I did? I closed my eyes to see what would happen. I said, God, I want you to show me. And I saw cars coming from the north and south and east and west. I saw headlights lining up from every direction coming into that facility. I already saw thousands of people coming to the altar to be saved. I already saw thousands of children coming to Christ. I already began to see it in my spirit. So the first day in that first new building, that new building we were in, the first time somebody walked down the aisle to get saved, that was not the first time I saw them getting saved. I'd already seen it in my spirit. I was not surprised when it happened. In fact, I was expecting it to happen. And God is expecting you to expect some things. I like what it says in Acts 3 where it says the lame man. You know about the lame man? He was at the gate beautiful. He was begging for for, uh, all kinds of things. He had been uh, a beggar all of his life, lame all of his life. Every day they would put him at the steps uh, that were going to the temple. And Peter Peter and John happened to be going to church on that day. They were going to pray. And they see the man with a little cup, you know, begging alms for the poor, alms for the poor. And finally they stopped and said, we don't have any money, but such as we have, we'll give to you. And the Bible says he looked up expecting to receive. 
There was something in his heart that he saw himself receiving something, whether it was money or healing, I don't know. But Peter and John reached down and grabbed him by the hand and power shook his legs and shook his life and shook his body. He was healed. But it was because of expectation. Listen, when you have vision, you're filled with expectation. When you have vision, when you have a dream, you're expecting something to take place in your life. And God, God puts things in our heart. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor have we allowed to enter our heart the things that He has already prepared for those that love Him. Do you love Him this morning? Yes. Then there is something already inside of you, a seed inside of you that He wants to bring forth. You've got to be filled with expectation. And by the way, how do you know if you have a vision? Some people say, well, I don't know if I've got vision. How do you know if you have vision? I'm going to give you a way to figure this out. When there is a tension... When there is a tension in your life to what is and what could be, then you probably have a vision. When there is frustration about the way things are going in your life and what you believe things could be, let me say that again. When there is a frustration in your life and what's going on and what you think could be, can I tell you what? You probably have a vision. Because you're seeing what you think could be instead of what is. To me, that is a vision. And vision will always be a dream until there's conviction. I'm going to say it again. Vision will always be a dream until there's conviction. You and I must have a conviction in our heart that what we've received, what we have not yet seen in the natural, we have seen in the Spirit. What we have not yet seen or heard in the, in the natural, we've heard in the Spirit. It's entered into our heart. That, would, that will be a dream forever until, until you begin to step out and trust God. You know, I have a saying. I like, to, I like sayings. Brother Kevin, I, like, I, I live my life by sayings because my life lessons that have been given by God because I've done stupid things. Uh, I've been taught things by little one-line things that God gives me. Here's one thing I want you to listen to. You ought to write this down. Dreams never die. Dreamers do. Dreams never die. Dreamers do. And I've seen too many people. I've done too many funerals in the last 30 years of people who died with dreams, books that were never written, businesses that were never started, so songs that were never sung. And they buried those things within. Can I just tell you right now, reality is better than the dream, don't you think? I think pursuing the reality of the dream is what God, I believe, is wanting you to do. I have a new saying for 2012. Would you like to hear my new saying? My new saying, the more I think about this, the more I pray about it. I mean, since the beginning of this year, I pray about it. I, t I talk to God about this every single day. And I've decided it's not just a saying for me, but I've decided it's a saying for other people too. Here's my new saying for 2012. You need to be devoted to what you want to make happen. Pretty simple, isn't it? You need to be devoted to what you want to make happen. That's conviction. You've got to be convicted that what you have, it's not yet seen or not yet heard or not yet manifested but you see it on the inside you hear it on the inside it's entered your heart you've got to be devoted to make that happen because things don't happen accidentally whatever it is in your heart to do or complete or to fulfill or to attempt you need to be devoted to make it happen and I don't know what God has been stirring in your heart I know what he's been stirring in mine for this year and I have decided, I wake up every morning, I say, okay, Lord, one day at a time. I just want this day to unfold one day at a time. And I want to be devoted this day to the things that you put in my heart. Whatever that means, I want to be devoted to them. 
And that means making a commitment to those plans. But conviction requires dedication. And it requires a devotion. And if you can't see it on the inside, you'll never believe for it on the outside. If you can't sense it or feel it or be tormented by it, you'll never be dedicated to it or devoted to it or, or uh, committed to seeing it happen. Conviction, conviction is what gives you a sense of urgency. Inside you, something says, I've got to do this. I can't wait. I've got to do it now. I've got to take a step now. And I want you to hear what I'm about to say because success is not a reward for talent. Success is a reward for focus. See, everything about vision is about focus. He wants us to have a focus. And when it comes to vision, you've got to have that. When you lose your focus, you lose your vision. Before God can change, before God can change where you're going, He has to change what you're looking at. Have you ever thought about that? Before you can take another step, you've got to be willing to leave the last step you took. You cannot have an 8x10 focus or 8x10 vision with a 3x5 card. You can't have big vision with a little binoculars is what I'm trying to say. Is that God wants to do something great in your life. Dreams are great, but dreams, dreamers die. But dreams continue living. You know, God doesn't want us to die with a dream. He wants us to live that dream. And I believe the Lord is going to challenge you this year to be devoted to what you want to make happen. To get closer to God, you've got to be devoted to it. To make your marriage healthier, you've got to be devoted to it. To, to, to get an education or to improve yourself or to change your career, you've got to become devoted to that. If you lose your focus, you'll lose your way. And when you lose your way, any place will do. A lot of people are settled and have been satisfied with just any old place. And I'm not satisfied with any old place. I'm very intentional about my life and where I want to go. I think you need to be like David who said, Lord, teach me to number my days that I may be wise. We need to realize we're narrowing down. Some of you are younger, some of you are older. It doesn't make any difference. I mean, every day that goes by that you have not started to live your dream is a day that's gone by that you're not going to ever live your dream. Because time is what gives life to your dream. Did you know that? If you waste your time on things that are not associated to your dream and vision, you are stealing life from your dream. How much more time can you steal? How much more life can you steal from the vision and the dream that God has given to you? Think about it. What does it mean to be devoted to make it happen? It means you're going to set some boundaries for your life. If you're going to be devoted to making whatever it is in your heart, as a church, as an individual in 2012, if you've got that dream or that vision in your heart, what is it going to take to get there? Well, you've got to set boundaries. You need to set some parameters. You need to set some goals and objectives. You need to become disciplined and say, I am focused on this. I'm going to be devoted to what I want to make happen or what, God, you put in my heart that you want to make happen. You've got to dedicate yourself and change your priorities. And that means you've got to be willing to say no to the good thing so you can say yes to the right thing. Can I tell you what life is really about? Life is about elimination, not accumulation. We're the great accumulators. We accumulate so much stuff, so many ideas. You can live ten lifetimes and it'll never be enough. I was thinking about my life the other day because I was reading about all those early uh, pioneers of, of humanity. They lived eight and nine hundred years and Methuselah lives nine hundred and what, sixty-nine years or something like that. And I got to think, that's like ten or twelve lifetimes. Yes. And I'm thinking that I'm coming to the last third of my life. By the way, here's how I think life should be. First third, you learn it. Second third, you earn it. The third third, you return it. Now, everybody's in one of those categories or more. I've already been in the learning and the earning. And by the way, I'll always be in the learning and earning. But I'm in the stage of returning now, trying to give it all away. 
But I was thinking about that. I was thinking, man, those guys had 12 lifetimes. Man, if they decide they wanted to go be a farmer for about 20 years, they could do it. If they wanted to decide they want to be a carpenter for 20 years, they could go do it. If they wanted to go and start a new career there, they could go and do it. And I got to thinking, I only have one lifetime. I don't have 12. And so if that's true, which it is, then what am, I going, what am I going to do with this one lifetime? Is I've got to think about eliminating things that are getting in the way of the vision and the dream and be devoted to what I want to make happen. And you must also. God is already devoted to what He's put in your heart. How do I know that? Because He gave you the vision. He gave you the dream. And now He waits on you to have equal devotion. Did you hear what I just said? He wants you to have equal devotion and equal commitment and equal dedication to what he's dedicated to and committed to. And when you settle, you become content with what you have. Everybody says, well, if God is for me, who can be against me? Well, the question is, are you for God? We already know he's for you. But when you become content, you become content with heartaches, heartbreaks, broken hearts, broken lives broken dreams. Don't surrender the reality of the dreams and visions you have because you give up or get tired or lose your commitment. Don't forfeit God's vision in life because you, because you just become content with everyday life. And I'm here this morning to stir you up about some things, I pray. And I want to talk to you about vision because when it comes to vision, there's more than meets the eye. There's it's more, there's more to it than meets the eye. And I think it's important that we talk about it, we think about it, we dream about it, and that we work for it. Because what you don't talk about, you don't do. And what you don't think about, you don't plan. And what you don't dream about, you don't expect. And what you don't devote yourself to never gets done. That's why we need to talk about it. Think about it. Real vision, a real plan from God always demands something. And I think God is looking for some champions to rise up in this hour, 2012. I think you're the champions. I do. I mean, why would God give you the vision if He didn't think you could do it? The Bible tells me that you have all things that pertain to life and godliness. You're fully equipped to do exactly what God wants you to do. And I have a revelation. I have three points. They're very simple points I want to give to you today. But I want to give you a little revelation before we jump over to these three things. I want you to think about in a race, awards are not handed out until you finish. I want you to think about this. In a race, awards aren't handed out until you finish. Anybody can start the race, but not everybody can finish the race. And though you have started the race and you're running the race, there are no awards when you're running the race. There's only an award when you cross the line. Are you following what I'm saying? I think we're wanting the big pat on the back and all this kind of stuff all the time. I don't expect that during the race. I expect it when I finish it, when I finally get to the other side. And it takes an unparalleled devotion, I think, for someone to start the race, to finish the race. Vision is not just the ability to begin. It's the ability to fight and scrap and claw and push and pull and shove and do everything you can to cross the finish line. And as I've said before, it takes years to become an overnight success. Okay, are you ready? Three things that will help you be devoted to what you want to make happen. Three things that will help you start and finish the race. This is so simple. You know, it's so, so interesting to me that 
we can take the, the easiest, the most wonderful book in the world right here and complicate it for people. And God makes it so simple for us. Are you ready? Number one, here it is. If you are going to be devoted to make things happen in your life, number one, you must see what God sees. It's that simple. You must see what God sees. God sees what you don't see because you won't see it. We have our eyes closed spiritually and naturally, but a vision is the ability to see what God sees. And sometimes what we see is in conflict with what God sees. And the reason why is because you have your own ideas about what you want to happen in your life. God may have something different. He, see, the Bible says your ways are not my ways. That's what God says. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. By the way, that's not an indictment. That's just a fact. He says, you don't see things the way I see it. You don't do things the way I do it. Your way is not my way. He's not saying it can't be. He said, that's just the way it is now. He said, you can have the mind of Christ. You can do what I do. You can see what I see. But right now, perhaps you're not. If you're going to be faithful, if you're going to see your dream become a reality, if you're going to see that vision in your heart come to fruition, let me tell you how it starts. You've got to see what God sees. And it's what you see that makes you an optimist or a pessimist. I mean, I think of Joshua and Caleb, the 12 spies. Everybody knows that story. The 12 spies, they finally come out of Egypt, 430 years of bondage. They finally come out, and they're about to get to the land of promise, the land of milk and honey. And, and Moses sends 12 men into the promised land to go check it out. Well, the 12 spies come back, and Joshua and Caleb were optimists. They weren't pessimists. And they came back, you know, and... And, uh, but the ten pessimists that were there, they said, there's no way we can't take the land. There's giants in the land. We are like grasshoppers in their sight and in ours. And Joshua said, ho, 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 wait a minute right there. He said, we're well able to take the land. We're well able to take the cities and the walled cities. I mean, this is a great place. Don't get discouraged. You know what the difference between those guys were? You know, Joshua and Caleb could see what God saw. They were optimists because they saw what God saw. They saw themselves living in this land of milk and honey. They saw themselves uh, 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 with these walled cities and the orchard and the, and the uh, vineyards and all of this thing, with all this great land that God was about to give them. They, thought, they saw themselves living in this place because they could see what God could see. They saw God's blessings in their life. But the ten others were the pessimists. All they could see was what they saw. They saw giants walled cities, the enemies. They saw how difficult it was, how hard it was. They could not see themselves living the dream. They saw themselves living the nightmare. See, the difference between these two guys or two groups of people is that some were optimists, some were pessimists. Some saw what God saw. Some saw what they saw. Here's my question. What are you seeing? Because it's going to change your attitude. Those that didn't and couldn't and wouldn't see what God saw never experienced what God intended. They never lived the dream. They stayed in the wilderness for 40 years and they died hoping for the dream one day to be fulfilled. Dreams never die. Dreamers do. And when you see what God sees, it's up to you to determine if you're going to be an optimist or a pessimist because you choose your destiny. I read about a schoolboy that brought home a a bad report card. Has anybody ever had a bad report card? Okay, some of you are lying like dogs. Yeah. I mean, this, I mean, it was F, D, F, D minus, D plus. And so he finally brings that report card home, and his dad says, What do you have to say about this? He said, Well, Dad, you can be really proud to know that I didn't cheat. <laughs> now, that's an optimist. There you go. Don't you think? See, a, a vision is more than looking on the bright side of things. It's looking on the God side of things. Right. And what does God see? 
and will you see what he sees? You know, I think of the ruler in the synagogue whose daughter was dying. She was sick unto death. His name was Jairus. You know the story. Jesus was in town. Crowds of multitudes had surrounded him. And Jairus fights through the crowd to find Jesus. He finally gets to him. He begs him to come to his home because his daughter is about to die. And Jesus said, let's go. And the scriptures say, and they turned to begin going toward his home when suddenly there was an interruption. A woman who had been crawling through the crowd on her hands and knees with an issue of blood, thinking in her heart, if I may but just touch the hem of this garment, I would be healed. She had a vision. She was devoted to see it happen. She finally pushed her way. And Jesus said, he stopped. He said, somebody touch me. The disciples said, are you crazy? Everybody's touching you. He said, no. He said, I felt virtue go from me. And he had the woman stand up. And she was totally healed. During that time, messengers came from Jairus' home saying, don't bother the master. Your daughter's dead. Now hang on just a minute. See, because I'm talking about vision. You have to see what God sees. You know what this man, Jairus, began to see? My daughter is dead. She's not breathing. I'll never see the sparkle in her eyes again. I'll never see her smile. I'll never hear her laugh. I'll never come home from work and watch her run down the road to come hug her daddy again. All he saw in his mind was a lifeless, dead body. He saw what he saw. When Jesus heard those words, you know what he said to Jairus? He said, don't be afraid, only believe. Why did he say that? Because Jesus saw what he couldn't see. He was trying to get Jairus to see what he saw. Are you following this? He was trying to get Jairus to... Let me read the scriptures. Mark 5, verse 35 and 36. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house and said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid. Only believe. Jesus could see what Jairus couldn't see. But Jesus wanted him to see it. He wanted him to get the vision that his daughter was alive. He wanted him to see not with his eyes, but not with Jairus, but with, with Jesus' eyes. There, there's a, a man that we know is going to be with the Lord. His name is Danny Osh. I don't know if anyone here has ever heard of him. Uh, back in the 70s and, and uh, early 80s, his, his church combined was the second largest church in the world. And uh, he was at our home church at Bethany. And uh, I got to know Brother Ost real well. He said, they have seven children. He says, uh, our names are Ost and we win the lost at all cost. That was their little family <laughs> motto. All seven children are in the ministry. And uh, Danny Oss told me one thing years ago I've never forgotten. He said, sometimes you need to crawl up into the eyes of Jesus and see it with his eyes. And I've never forgotten that. You need to crawl up when the world doesn't look good, things don't look great. Why don't you crawl up into the eyes of Christ and begin to see what he sees? Because when you see it the way he sees it, suddenly everything changes. Isn't that true? That's what he was trying to do with Jairus. He was trying to get him to see with his eyes. They say she's dead. I'm telling you, don't be afraid. Just believe. You know the rest of the story. He goes to the house. He raises up that daughter from the dead. And the sparkling eyes of that girl begin to uh, be cast upon her dad. And she began to laugh and cry out. And he received his daughter back to life. 
He had to see what Jesus saw. Vision is about seeing things and seeing life and seeing tomorrow the way God sees it. It's looking past the past and looking past the present. It's looking toward the future. It's looking, it's seeing the reality of what's yet to be seen and what's yet to come. And by the way, you'll never believe for anything that you can't see. And if you can't see it, you'll never expect it. You'll never pray for it. It'll never come. Has anybody ever ordered anything online on the computer? Anybody? You know, isn't that fun to do? You sit there and you look at it and you, and you kind of look at it and you start comparing prices and you compare products and you're doing, you're doing the surfing. You're surfing trying to find You think about it. You pray about it. You wait a day or two and then suddenly something rises up in you saying, man, I'm going to get that thing. That's what I really want. And you put it in the cart and you pay for it. Isn't that right? You know what I'm talking about. And, uh, you know, three or four days later it doesn't arrive. You think, man, I wish you'd hurry up and come. But you get back online, you look on it. And you look on that website and you say, well, that's mine. I'll order it. It's going to be mine. Here's my order number. I'm tracking it. And you know, one day it finally arrives and you're, you're just rejoicing and everything. It's yours. You saw it. You thought about it. You prayed about it. You ordered it. You bought it. And there it is. A few days later, it's in your hands. You see it. Can I tell you what? In 2012, you've got to be devoted to what, what God has put in your heart. You've got to be devoted to trying to see what God sees. You know what you ought to do? You ought to go online. You ought to get in this book right here and go to this website right here and begin to see what God has for your life. Why don't you just pl- press click and put that in your cart and order it? And when you don't see it coming, why don't you just say with expectation it's on its way and keep looking at it and keep looking at it and keep looking at it until it finally arrives. See, that's what vision and dreams are about. You've got to see what He sees for you if you want to receive what God has for you. I want you to hear what I'm about to say because when you see what God sees, you have faith. Something rises up in you. Look, when you finally click paid and put it on your PayPal or whatever it is you do on that website, I mean, you know it's on its way. I mean, they give you a tracking number. You're tracking this thing all the way to your house. Come on, am I the only one that does this? Because I want that thing to come now. I want it now. Listen, you've got to see what God says. And when you do, you have faith. Your faith begins to grow day by day. You see that package getting closer and closer. You know it's about to arrive at your doorstep. Look, it's easier to believe if you can see in your heart what you don't yet see in your life. If you can believe for it in here, if you can see it in the inside here, it's so easy to have faith to receive it. Isn't that right? Now, I want you to listen to what I'm about to say because when God wants to do something for you, He gives you a picture. When the devil wants to do something to you, He gives you a picture. Did you know that? When, the, when God wants to do something for you, He gives you a photo. When the devil wants to do something to you, He gives you a photo. Because they want you to look at it. They want you to get a vision of it. See, the devil wants you to get a vision of you're going to fail. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your house. You're never going to be able to make it. You're going to lose your marriage. Your children are never going to straighten up. But God gives you a picture of you're going to make it. I'm with you. You're not by yourself. I've gone before you. I've made every crooked path straight. I'm bringing the mountains low. The desert will turn into a wellspring. You know how, why he says that? Because he gives you the picture of it right here. You know, it's easy to lose faith if you don't keep looking at the pictures. Is there anybody here this morning? When you begin seeing what God sees, you can have faith for what is not yet seen. Let me go to number two. You've got to see what God sees. Number two, you must believe what God believes. I told you this was a simple message. You must believe what God believes. God helps us to have enough faith to believe for what we've seen. But when it comes to vision, we forget that God is for us. Nobody wants us to succeed more than God. 
Why would he give you the vision in a dream for you to fail? God is doing everything he can to help you to succeed in it. He wants you to see what he sees. He wants you to believe what he believes. It's been said that vision that looks inward becomes duty. Vision that looks outward becomes aspiration. But vision that looks upward becomes faith. Which way are you looking? You've got to see what he sees. You need to believe what he believes. And we need the ability to believe what God believes. I'd like to give you my definition of faith, if I could. I know in uh, Hebrews 11, most of you know it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know that verse. I'd like to give you my definition of faith, if you will allow me to do so. Faith is acting like, living like, thinking like, and speaking like God told you the truth. That's pretty simple, isn't it? It means you're going to act like God told you the truth. You're going to think like God told you the truth. You're going to speak like God told you the truth. You're going to live like God told you the truth. Isn't that what faith really is? Faith is believing when common sense tells you something else. Look, faith is irrational. It's impractical. It's always impossible. I mean, it's not, it's not full of logic or knowledge. I mean, it can't be explained through methods or logic or intelligence or systems that guarantees trust. You know, faith is really trusting God. Isn't that true? I heard about a man who was walking down a narrow path one night, and he slipped off the edge of a cliff. And as he was going down the edge of this cliff, he grabbed hold of a branch knowing for sure that if he let go, he would plummet to his death. He was hanging on, but what he didn't know in the darkness is that the ground was only two feet below his feet. But he didn't know that. It was dark. He thought if he let go, he was going to die for sure. He begins to cry out, Help! Is there anybody up there? Help! Suddenly he heard a voice. I'm here. He says, Lord, is that you? Is that you? Lord, Lord, help me. I need some help. The Lord says, well, I'm here. He said, do you trust me? He said, oh, I trust you completely. He says, well, let go. What? I said, let go. Help. Help. Is there anybody else up there? See, here's the, you say you trust God. But when he tells you to let go or to take a step, that's the real test, isn't it? The thing about vision is that it's usually bigger than your abilities. It's bigger than your pocketbook. It costs more than you have. It takes more skill and talent than you possess, and you can't do it alone. And that frightens a lot of people. That's why a lot of people can't do it, because they quit living for what can be, and they settle for what is. Are you satisfied with what is? Then happy life to you. I just think God's put into the heart of every single person here a dream, a vision, I know in this church, as a church body, there's a dream and a vision. This isn't all there is right here. You know, every empty seat, when I, I, I do this in my church, every time I see an empty seat, I, I, get, so t- I get ticked off. Is it okay if I say yeah, ticked off? Right. You, yeah. Okay, ticked off. Okay. <laughs> kind of like politics. You know, that's a compound word. Poly is many ticks or bloodsuckers. So <laughs> just think about that. But every time I see an empty seat, I'm thinking, the devil just won. An empty seat is an enemy to the kingdom of God. And you know, here's the thing. In the heart of this church is a bigger facility. There's a harvest yet to come. And somebody's going to have to pay the price to get that harvest in. It might be in a new building. But that's the vision. 
This place has a vision. Your pastor has a vision. And it's bigger than all of your abilities. That's why we've got to trust God. We've got to see what He sees. Believe what He believes. Because that's vision. And again, this frightens so many people. Jeannie and I moved to Colorado 25 years ago. A little over 25. We just celebrated our 25th church anniversary. We founded the church. And uh, we came there. Our children were small, five and eight years old. And uh, we came, loaded up a U-Haul, arrived in Colorado, didn't, ha- didn't have any place to live, didn't know anybody. There was no building waiting for us, no pulpit to preach from. We had a vision in our heart. And, and you know, the devil would keep saying to me, you're being a fool. And God would keep saying to me, you're being faithful. Because it was about trusting God. And nobody went with us. Nobody was waiting for us. We didn't know what was going to happen tomorrow. We were willing to take a chance, risk everything we had, all of our possessions, being embarrassed if, with failure if that's what were to happen, and to, as I say, lose everything we had. But when I look back, I'm so glad that I saw what God saw and I believed what He believed because there was a struggle with faith and fear. Can I tell you who won out? Faith won out because I saw what He saw. And I believed what he believed. Paul had it right when he said, I can do all things. Philippians 4.13. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He had it right. I can do all things. All things. Through Christ who strengthens me. And you can do all things because he's done all things. When he hung on the cross and said it's finished... He's now waiting on you. He took a step. Now it's time for you to take a step. And if we can see what he sees and believe what he believes, I believe there can be fulfillment of our dreams and vision. I don't know what your dreams are. I don't know what your vision is. I just know that God has put something in your life. And I'm hoping today that there's more than what your eye sees. I'm hoping there's more to it. And I'm praying that you're going to make a decision to not just see it, but to believe it. I hope you're not like the person that had a hard time making a decision when, they, when a man asked him, says, do you have trouble making decisions? He said, well, yes and, and no. <laughs> I hope you're not like that. <laughs> Let me give you number three. You've got to do what he does. You have to see what he sees, believe what he believes, and do what he does. I'm trying to help you with vision and dreams for your life, to be devoted to what you want to make happen. You know, God never gives us a vision without provision. And God gives you everything you need to do the work. I didn't say He handed it to you on the platter. A lot of people think, well, God said to do it, and I'm just going to wait for Him to do it. No, sitting around twiddling your thumbs, waiting for a chunk of glory to hit you in the head while you're at church or at home, is not going to happen. God wants you to get up off your blessed assurance and do something. Some of you ought to stand up and look where you're sitting because that's the only impression you've been making in life. (laughs) Right? There you go. (laughs) I may not get invited back. But in three days, I go home. You're stealing that one? Okay. But God has given you abilities, talents, and skills and uh, to work to obtain uh, the vision. You know, we have a good friend of ours. We were talking about a pastor in Goodland, Kansas. He was pastoring in Colorado. He took a church over in Goodland, Kansas. And uh, he and I play cowboy. You know, I have horses, and he has horses. And we go down to his father-in-law, well... His son, I'm sorry, his daughter married a young man whose dad owns a 20,000-acre ranch in New Mexico. And they let us go down there and harass the cattle. That's the best way I can put it. 
And, uh, and so we get to do, you know, cattle drives and that kind of thing. And, and you know, 17, 20,000 acres, that's a lot of land. And uh, anyway, he was down there one time, and he, one of his little granddaughters, he was tired. He'd been riding horses, doing all this kind of stuff. He was tired sitting down in a chair, and his granddaughter, about three or four years old, jumps up on his lap and grabs his face and pushes his face together like this and just holds his face and just puts her nose right almost to his nose because she wanted him to get up and go do something. He said, I'm too tired. I've, just, I've been working all day long. I'm too tired. She grabs his face. She says, come on, cowboy. You can do it. <laughs> you know what I'd like to do to every one of you? <laughs> I'd like to grab you by the face. You can do it. You just have to see what he sees. Believe what he believes, then go do what he does. Can I hear an amen from you? Yeah. Look, you're fully equipped. You're just not fully developed. And God is trying to develop you. In fact, I want you to think about this right here because the problem, number one problem I see with most people in their journey that they have is that with their vision is that uh, they quit too soon. They get discouraged and they quit too soon. And, and they don't want to continue on. When people don't see things happen quickly, they lose heart, they lose, pa they lose passion, they lose focus, and next thing you know, they lose their vision. And, and discouragement because things don't happen quickly is the greatest killer of vision. Let me give you a couple of things to think about before I finish this message. I want you to think about this. Sometimes your greatest breakthroughs are scheduled for tomorrow. Have you thought about that before? You give up today and tomorrow's when God had it on His millennial at a glance calendar. Well, tomorrow's the hell's going to give Him the miracle. But they quit. That's it. And time is what God uses to prune anything not assigned to your future. I'm going to say that again. Yeah. Time is what God uses to prune anything that's not assigned to your future. That's why you say, well, why is it taking so long? I guess it's opposition. No, it's reposition. Sometimes your delays are nothing about opposition. It's about reposition. God's trying to reposition you for where He needs you to be. And you're never going to get to the next step unless you're willing to leave the last step. And I'll tell you something else about God. God would rather direct your steps than repair your steps. Listen to what Jesus said. John 5, verse 19 and 20. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by himself. I want you to watch. Even Jesus himself said, I've got to see what he sees, do it, believe what he believes, and do what he does. Right, right. He says, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. He sees it, he believes it, he does it. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son. Do you know that God loves you? The father loves the son and shows him all that he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. Jesus makes it so clear that if you want to fulfill God's vision, you have to do what he does. By the way, what do you think God's doing right now? What do you see him doing right now? I mean, do you think he's, do you think he's devoted to your vision? Do you think he's devoted to your dreams? I think he is. He gave them, look, he gave them to you. Don't you think he's devoted to them? Devoted to, he's looking for equal devotion, equal commitment. I mean, God's sold out. He's committed to us. He wants us to succeed. He wants you, to, he wants you to, to succeed in everything that you do. Jesus said, I only do what the Father, He sees the Father doing. And what do you see Him do? Do you see Him moving obstacles out of the way? Do you see Him fighting your enemies? Do you see Him lifting burdens? Do you see Him lowering down blessings on your life? What do you see Him doing? Look, you ought to do what you see Him do. If you see Him healing the sick, why don't you go heal the sick? 
Why don't you do what he says to do to heal the sick? Lay hands on them, pray with faith. I mean, if he wants you to prosper, then why don't, why don't you do what the Word of God says to bring prosperity? Why don't you bring your first fruit, your tithe? Some people don't tithe. The Bible says they're a thief. And I'm, I'm, I don't want to step on toes, but if you're looking for a pay raise, because I know you made a declaration a little while ago about pay raises, settlements, estates, you know, wealth, money coming to you, all this kind of stuff. Why would God give you that to make you a bigger thief? If you don't bring your first part to him. I would rather have 90% blessed than 100% cursed, wouldn't you? Yeah. But, I mean, look, if you want to prosper, why don't you do what the Bible says to bring prosperity? Just do what God says. See what He says. See what He says to do. Believe it, and then go do it. I mean, if He wants you to have victory, then do what brings victory. Pray fast. You know, leave what's causing you to be defeated. Whatever's causing you to uh, uh, be tied to sin, why don't you leave those things? Cut the cords. You might have to say no to the good things, say yes to the right thing. I don't know what those things may be. But I think it takes courage to step into the vision that God has for you. I'm going to say it again. It takes courage to step into the vision that God has for you. It takes courage to believe. And God's vision is not for the faint-hearted. To see what He sees, to believe what He believes, and to do what He does is going to take some bold faith, audacious faith. Uh, it's going to take some confidence and boldness that you've never had before. I think about a man by the name of Ray Blankenship. Ray Blankenship was standing at his kitchen window one day. There was a terrible storm had come through the night. In fact, it had been raining for several days. He was fixing breakfast, and he looked out of his window, and he saw a little girl thrashing in the water. The drainage ditch that was by his house had overflowed, and he saw a little girl thrashing in the water. He ran out of his house because he knew down the way that this, this drainage ditch went under a road and roared into a culvert and knew that if somebody went down that, they would die. He ran as fast as he could to get ahead of the little girl. He threw himself into the water, tumbling over and over. He grabbed the hand of this child. This is a true story. Grabbed the hand of this child. He went under the bridge. He was only feet away from the culvert. He reached up and he found what appeared to be a rock. And he was holding on three feet away from this culvert that was about to suck them under. He thought to himself, if I could just hold on to this rock until the rescuers, until the fire department comes, we'll be okay. Well, he did better than that. He was able to pull that girl to safety. And when the firemen came, they treated both he and this little girl for shock. On April 12, 1989, Ray Blankenship received the Coast Guard uh, Silver Lifesaving Medal for his heroic acts. And that award was fitting for this selfless person who put himself at even greater risk to himself than most know. Because Ray Blankenship couldn't swim. But he had a vision. He had a vision. He had to save that girl. He couldn't wait. It took some boldness. It took some confidence in his heart to run down that road, jump in that water to save that little girl. And I want to tell you, it takes courage to step in the vision to do what God's called you to do, to see it, to believe it, and to do it. The courage of the vision says this, Lord, is that you? Then bid me to walk on the water to you. That takes courage. Courage says, Lord, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Courage says, if, it's, if you be for us, who can be against us? I'm standing with you, God. That takes courage to do those things. And I want you to know today, right now, you have everything that you need 
to do exactly what God wants you to do. He has put a seed on the inside of you. Will you water it? Will you grow it? Will you nurture it? Will you, bring, will, you, will, you, will you cause roots to go down and fruit to come up? Will you take some steps? Will you see it the way He sees it? Will you close your eyes and begin to see what God sees about your situation? Would you begin to believe what He believes about that thing? Would you get up and start doing something? I want to close with this one thought uh, about vision. Because vision doesn't happen overnight. It takes a long time. It's a journey. And it's little by little, inch by inch, step by step that we must take to see it fulfilled. I've got a lot of things in my heart, Pastor, that still have not come to pass. I wrote down on a card 12, 15 years ago, still waiting. But you know what? The Lord keeps saying, be devoted to what you want to make happen. Because He puts the desires in my heart, Psalms tells me. And, and so that's, what, that's my motto. That's what my saying is. I'm going to be devoted to what I want to make happen. But I stumbled upon something that was really interesting. Somebody found Christopher Columbus's diaries. And in his diary, he made a statement. In fact, it was a repetitive statement over and over and over again. It's very interesting to me because he was crossing the unknown oceans, discovering the new lands. You know, he was known for that. The West Indies, America. He had vision. But there was something he wrote down in his diary every day. Day after day after day. You know what he wrote down? He said, this day we sailed on. And I've often thought about that. That he had vision, but he just took one day at a time. Each day, he just kept doing what that day needed. You know, that's what you need to do. Some of you ought to write down, and this day, I sailed on. I sailed on toward my vision. I sailed on toward my dream. I sailed on toward those things that God has given me. I sailed on toward what I see in my heart. I sailed on toward those things that I've heard that no one else has heard. My eyes have seen that no one else has seen. The things that entered my heart that no one else has had entered their heart. I sail on expecting to discover these things. If you'll make that your motto, there's going to be a day when you'll discover the fulfillment that God has for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.